This is the We Are Going Up podcast. We've got the Football League covered. Hello and welcome to episode 161 of We Are Going Up. I'm Mark Crossley in the glorious sunshine of Manchester. It is freezing though. Uh, David Cameron Walker is live, I think, from his broom cupboard in central London. Hello, here I am. You've been locked in there since last time. <laughs> no, 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 they do let me out from time to time. By the way, um, the uh, the aircon unit in there, three Instagram likes that picture got. Well, that's <laughs> three more than I thought you'd <laughs> yeah, get, no. to be honest. <laughs> yeah. um, is, it, is, it, is, it, is it still there? It's still there. Okay, keep us updated throughout the season, yep. please. Um, apologies for our absence in the last couple of weeks. It's been ridiculously busy. Um, I've got a true or false question for you, DC. Okay. Okay. Now, last Monday, I was I was in London. That's true, right. yes. You, you didn't... Did I see you? Oh, yeah, I did see you, didn't yes, I? Yes, yeah. you did see me. <laughs> now, here's the question. Memorable true, day. True, true, yeah, thanks. True or false, did you ditch recording this podcast to go to an art exhibition? True or false question? Last Monday? Yes. Um... <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> yes, you did. Yeah. You did. So if anyone was wondering where we were last week, uh, that's the reason why. I mean, I could have done it on my Do own. Do you know what the thing what? is? What? I didn't even go to the art exhibition in the end. Oh, did you? Oh, for God's sake. It was, well, the um, thing was, it was sold out, couldn't get in. And then, funnily enough, I tried to do the same thing the week after on the Monday, uh, on the Sunday, just gone. And again, ditched one of my... Uh, my <laughs> I actually didn't go to my housemate's birthday celebration oh, uh, because I wanted to go to this uh, art exhibition. You've changed. It's a really good exhibition. You've changed. And another reason... <laughs> and we didn't get in. It was sold yeah. out again as well. And another reason was uh, because uh, on Monday last week, uh, the reason I was down there was because we met Richard Osman. We um, did. Now, I hope he's not listening to this, given that you just completely forgot this day existed. Um, Richard no, Osman... I remember that bit. Okay. <laughs> Richard Osman off of Pointless. A big Fulham fan. He was uh, chatting about uh, state of things at Fulham with us. Mm. Um because he uh, did the narration for a documentary we made about darts, which went out on TalkSport over the weekend called Golden yeah. Arrows. So if you missed that, I would recommend going to the, the website. That was basically the reason that there was no show last week because yeah. snowed under getting that finished. Um, so yeah, we'll try go, and get Richard, Richard Osman on at some yes, point this we'll, season the, if we can. The plan was to do it last week, but we, we sort of ran out of time with him in the end. But yeah, if you go to the TalkSport website, one o'clock on Sunday on the listen again, you can listen back to that documentary. I very much recommend it. Okay, mm. should we get straight in there with a tweet? Let's. Uh, this is Joe Bruin. Lads, can someone find me a relatively regular striker with a worse goals-to-games ratio than Calvin Andrew? Chaps, I present this question to you for the next podcast. Okay, so I've been doing some research on Wikipedia. Well, I, I pointed this out last season, didn't I? This is why I, I tipped <laughs> Rochdale to be relegated last season, because yeah. they replaced... Um, who, was it? who was the lad that the, went off to Brentford? Um, um, oh. Scott... Scott, Scott Hogan. Hogan, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. And uh, replaced him with Calvin Andrew, who has got, yeah, as as Joe said, the absolutely appalling goals-to-game ratio. He's Get been, ready for this. 232 games, according yeah. to Wikipedia, in his career, all in including substitute appearances. 232. Take a guess how many goals. Uh, it, it's, I mean, is it less than 10? 20 goals. 20. This is Jesus, a centre-forward. Yeah. And they'd say one in two is a good record. So by that reckoning, he should be on 115. He's on 20. So... The question for you, ladies and gentlemen, can you come up with a uh, a football league striker? Maybe he's played for your club. The worst I can think of at Berry was Jake Spate, who got two in about 30. Um, but he actually had a good season a couple of years ago for someone. 
can't remember who, someone in one of the lower leagues. But you're looking at across his career, not just for your club. Well, yeah, I suppose, yeah. But anyway. I could give you a few. Let us know what you think. At Wagyu. Nathan Ellington. <laughs> at Wagyu Podcast is the Twitter, or you can uh, go to the website and drop us an email. We are going up.co.uk. Right, on the way later, then we'll be um, taking a look back at what's been going on in the last couple of weeks. Uh, we'll do some uh, sort of transfer window bits that obviously closed while we were sort of off for the last couple of weeks. We'll look at what's been going on in the Championship, League One and League Two. And also at Peterborough. Now, it doesn't seem too long ago that we were having our picture taken with the, um, what was the mascot called at Peterborough? Was he holding a carrot? Was it a rabbit? I can't remember. Um, was it a rabbit? What was it? I'm sure it was a rabbit. Um, outside Peterborough last season. All I remember was the other mascots. There was the builder. That big builder who's like the sponsors. Oh, on the half-time. Yeah, yeah. on the half-time. Anyway, so yeah. it doesn't seem too long ago we were doing our live special from London Road when Peterborough were looking for a new manager. And the same thing is happening now. They're looking out for a new manager after sacking Dave Robertson. So we're going to hear from some Peterborough fans later, including Adrian Durham, I believe, yeah. uh, amongst them. So we'll assess the, the, the views of the, the posh faithful. Uh, but first, a story which is broken on the day we were recording, DC, um, is about... It was a rabbit. Sorry, I've just found the picture. Um, I'm not sure what his nickname is. I'll look it's that Peter up. Burrow, uh, isn't it? That was... <laughs> it was. It was Peter Burrow the rabbit. Massive carrot in his hand. Anyway, um, yeah, so the story today is Paul dickoff has gone from Doncaster. Yeah. Which is a shame, because you, you always say he's a lovely bloke to, to deal yeah, with. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know him personally, but I've, I've, dealt, I've dealt with him professionally, and, and he's always been very nice to deal with, very, you know, and, and which isn't always the case when you deal when you deal with with football managers and, and, and various figures from football. Uh, he's always very polite, always very nice, always very generous with his time. And that's what very much what you hear as well from people that deal with him on a more regular basis. Um, but on the pitch, obviously, hasn't gone so well. It hasn't. So uh, first six games of the season, six points for Doncaster. Uh, they're sort of sort of lower, lower mid-table and they've decided to make a change. And uh, yeah, we, we await to see who's going to go in at the Keepmoat Stadium. Uh, 17th in League One they finished last season. So let's find out. Um, what the, the response and the reaction has been to this decision to get rid of Paul Dickoff by hearing from a man who we've had on the show a couple of times before, uh, Mr. Liam Hoden, who is a sports journalist at the Doncaster Free Press and South Yorkshire Times. You might have heard him on the show over the years a few times when we've been talking Donny in the past. And we spoke to Liam a few minutes ago and I started by asking him if today's news was a shock when it was announced earlier. Uh, yeah, I have to, I have to say it was. Um... Not so much looking on on performance levels. It was just a surprise that the Doncaster Rovers owners chose to do this. Um, they never seemed like they got an, an intent to uh, get rid of Paul Dickoff. There was a meet the owners event last Thursday uh, at, at the club, and um, Paul Dickoff came in for a bit of criticism. But the, the owners leapt to his defence and, and they were quite strong in the defence as well. And and they're not they're not trigger happy. Anyway, as it as it stands, so uh, a real big surprise that six games in as well that they have they have chosen to do it. Well, so I can understand that the timing may be a bit surprising, but it doesn't seem like that the fans are too downhearted by the news. I've been having a look this this afternoon on some of the message boards for some of the fans and on Twitter, and I I can't see too many fans sort of standing up for Dickoff and and saying that he should have been given a chance to to stay on. Really, it's not been you know last season was I think a disappointment really, uh, possibly a questionable appointment in the, in the first place. And if you look at the win record, it's just not been good enough, has it? No, I I, I can see that point. That is taken into account. The win record is taken into account a season in the championship when. They did struggle and ultimately were relegated. Um, 
and then last season, I think expectations were raised. Expectations at Doncaster Rovers as a whole have been raised over the last few years because they've always been fighting for championship football or, or being in the championship so the last seven or eight years. But um, it was always going to be a difficult season last season. It was the lowest budget they'd had in a long time. And um, all the, I think probably the worst thing that Dickov did was guiding Rovers into the playoff positions around February, March time. And then they dramatically fell off and finished mid-table, which probably all along was where was, so that was the target, a mid-table finish, just a season of stability. But I think the going back to that season in the Championship, I think a lot of people have not been sure about Dickoff since that dramatic drop-off towards the end of the season. They, um, they beat Leeds in early March and then they only needed one more win, really. And they took one point from the last seven games and, and ended up going down on the final day on goal difference. So I think that, that bit of a collapse, that never did Dickoff any favours and people haven't been sure about him since then. There were a lot of murmurings last season, particularly towards the end of the campaign, when um, they, they had another drop-off after they got into the top six. That, that that's when it, the tide really started to turn against him. And he was always going to be up against it if he didn't have a really good start to this season. You're somebody that will have spent a lot of time with Paul, you know, after matches, pre-match press conferences and the likes. So you possibly would have got to know him a little bit as a man as well as, uh, as, a, as a football manager. And you, you talk there about he never really... You know there was there was question marks over it from the start, and I, I just wonder whether you've seen anything during your time uh, covering the club during his tenure that made you believe that it, it could have worked. Because it, on paper, it didn't really look like it was ever going to. He had a thirty percent win re- record at Oldham, which is what he leaves with at, at Doncaster. He was sacked at Oldham, and then he gets a Championship club. So it was a strange appointment. But I mean, do you think that uh, knowing what you know about him, that it, it could have worked, or was he really failed? No, I think the. There were always signs that he were he were close to it clicking for him. Even in the championship, when they when they struggled that season, he managed to get him playing at times some decent football. But there's always seemed to be sort of extenuating circumstances. He's the two summers prior to this one when he's been in charge, there were failed takeover attempts that ran right up to the start of the season. So he weren't have He didn't have the opportunity to have a proper summer knowing who we were going to bring in and getting him in early. And and this summer was his big chance to do that. And, and he'd said all along, and it had been said about him, that this were his one full season when it were a team that he'd uh, put together himself. He'd had no distractions through summer. So I suppose that is one thing that would be held against him going into this, that they've not made a start. He's, he's asked for this chance and he's been given it. He's, 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 everything's gone perfect during the summer. But it's not it's not worked out during the first month of the season. One of the things you do hear about him is that he's a you know he's a genuinely nice guy and unfortunately it's not really worked out for him on the field. Just looking at the first six games, one win, two draws and three defeats, but actually only three goals yeah. in the first six games and one of those wasn't even a proper goal if you remember on the first day of the season. That is obviously an area that he's just not been able to to sort of bring the best out of the players he's got or bring the right players in. No, and it I think that that is something that people do hold against him, particularly being a striker himself, is that he hasn't really got people scoring goals. There were a few circumstances last season, Nathan Tyson and Curtis Mayne both had injuries, but they did manage to get into, into double figures. But it was definitely coming into this summer the area that they needed to concentrate on getting a striker in. They brought Andy Williams in, who scored 22 goals last season for Swindon. It seemed like an ideal signing, but 
it's just not really worked out. You saw in the summer that they were struggling to, he was struggling to fit into the team, but the team was struggling to adapt and play in the style that Andy Williams needed to to create these chances for him, and it, and that has dragged on in, into this season. It was same at Gillingham on Saturday that the. the Again, they ended up losing one nil. It's just not flawed. It's just not clicked. I'm sure there's a chance that it can do, but it, it's not really worked out fast enough for, for Paul Dicker. So, what's going to happen next? We you know uh, Rob Jones has been given the, the the job on a temporary basis, and it's all caretaker basis. But do you see maybe them investing in him and saying you can try and take this job on full time, or, or we're going to go external and one of the usual suspects, or maybe somebody from from lower down, somebody we, we, we've not heard of before? Where do you think they'll go? I, I I think the the message will be whether they come out and say that, that, that it's uh, Rob Jones's uh, job to to claim. Uh, he's held in very high regard at the club. He's done a very good job with the younger players and, and bringing them through. That's been one of the positives over the last year. The amount of young players that have been brought in into the into the first team setup. Um, so I think that if Rob Jones does have a good run, um, start against a tough game against Walsall on Saturday, if he could get a win down there, I think he'd be right at the top uh, of the list. I do think that they will they will look further beyond as well because because why would you not? Um, I've seen Neil Redfern's name uh, linked and I think that might be an attractive prospect for him. He's he won't be particularly expensive, which I, I think does play a part. I can't see him unless it's somebody really special paying uh, any compensation to a club for anybody. It's just just doesn't seem in the nature of the club, um, which is why Rob Jones is such an, an attractive uh, option. But um, yeah, Redfern, he, he kind of stands out. He did a decent job with Leeds. He'll uh, it'll, it'll come fairly cheap, and his reputation's uh, quite high. The uh, in the statement today after the announcement of Dickoff's uh, departure, the club mentioned that promotion is still the aim, and you know. Last season, as you said, they were they were flirting with the playoffs at times. Of course, they've been in the championship, you know, for a few seasons in the not too distant past. But then, you've got to level that against what you also said in Dickoff's defence in the fact that, that the budget hasn't been great. So, what is the realistic expectation? Do you think for Doncaster Rovers as a football club in terms of their budget, their playing staff, and maybe who they can attract? Where where should they be? I said at the start of the season, based on the signings that they've brought in, that I could, I could easily see them finishing fifth or sixth and, and getting into the playoffs. Um, it was the same last season. The first 11, when everybody's fit, is, is very good. It's, it, it's up there with among the best in, in division. Uh, but again, this season, they've not managed to keep people fit. They've, they've lost four players, four key players, to injury, and it's just stunted the start. As, as probably a squad, they are probably just creeping into the top half. It's just, if they can get that first 11 all fit and playing, then they have got a good chance of getting into playoffs. But when you compare them to Sheffield United, Wigan, who haven't had the best of starts, but you, you look at the squads that they've got and, and the budget, they can't really compete uh, on, on, on that stage. Liam, can I um, put two and two things together here? You know that One Direction are just splitting up, don't you? Yes. Couldn't couldn't the job go to Louis Tomlinson? I'm sure he'll <laughs> I'm sure he'll apply for it. Yeah, man, because there's speculation that he's going to join X Factor, but maybe this this might change his plans a little bit. That'd be good to see. What exactly is his involvement? Because there was rumours last season about him buying a stake in the club or something like that. It came fair, 
well, very close to to being sort of co-chairman uh, with John Ryan, the the, the previous owner. Um, it, it was very close to happening. We had we had a press conference, and, and Lord, the way it was announced, it was just it collapsed at, at the eleventh hour. Um, there's always been suggestions that he will eventually be involved. I know the, the the current owners are quite open to having him involved, and why not? He's he's played two charity games and attracted massive crowds to, to the game, or, and he puts them on map around the world like like nobody else ever has. Um, so he's not he's not actually got. An official uh, official position with the club at the minute, but I'm, I'm sure now he's got a bit of time on his hands that he'll be looking to get a little bit more involved. Get him in, get him in. <laughs> yeah. um, final question, sorry, final question, Liam. Realistically, is there a name or a manager out there who perhaps you would like to see given an opportunity? Someone maybe who isn't, I don't know, amongst the favourites, or do you feel it is going to be quite a, you know, they're going to go for quite an established name? I, I don't think they'll go to left field I, I just can't I can't imagine I'm thinking of people out of work I think Redfern does does stand out although he's not massively he's not on massively proven track record uh, did alright at Leeds though did good in, in a yeah. difficult job yeah I mean one, one good thing that will stand in his stead and he should if he does have an interview he should probably mention it is the work that he did with the Leeds Academy because mm. they are really big on on the, and they were talking about this at the Meet the Owners event last week about getting people through bringing young players through and continuing that and becoming a club that, that does that's got a reputation for for producing young players so it, I'd, I'd be intrigued by by Redfern if, if you're given it but there's also people Stuart Gray left Sheffield Wednesday Nigel Clough even that um, have done decent jobs locally um, and, and I could see them be coming into consideration that was Liam Hoden, sports journalist at the Doncaster Free Press and South Yorkshire Times, talking to us a little bit earlier on about Doncaster's not great start to the season and the news that Paul Dickov has left. I do kind of feel it's a sad state of affairs when I feel like we've got to September and the first couple of managers have left and that's actually progress. We got through the whole of August, I think, without a single manager losing the job. Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously last season set the bar particularly low in the... Um... Mark Robbins being sacked after the first game, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you, the international break obviously has not been an international break for for teams in League One and League Two. But you, you might think in the Championship, maybe sometimes that's a, a little window where where clubs can sort of take a little bit of a time to to assess their stock and and maybe make a change if they feel necessary. But it's it's coming in League One in this case for both the clubs. And uh, as far as Doncaster are concerned, I mean. As, as I alluded to in, in the interview there, it seems very much like the fans are pretty much unanimously behind the decision. If maybe if some of them are surprised perhaps at the timing so soon after the start of the season, maybe it should have happened in the summer, maybe it shouldn't have happened at all. But the, the first uh, forum topic that I saw when I went on the Doncaster forums today was in capital letters, let's all have a party. <laughs> and, and, and to their credit, a lot of the Doncaster fans responded to that particular post and said, look, come on, mate. Maybe it was time for him to go, but he was a decent man, and don't you know? It might have been um, don't jump dance on his grave too 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 soon. So I mean, yeah. To be fair, I think uh, a lot of the fans think it was time for him to go, but I think there is an appreciation that he, he did his best, or certainly tried to do his best. It might have been unrelated to the Dickoff news. You never know. Maybe he was just keen for a party at the weekend. Maybe, well, perhaps. Yeah. yeah. All <laughs> right then. Excuse. Let's switch from Doncaster to another side in League One who made a managerial change in the last few days. Peterborough United, that's next. You're listening to We Are Going Up. We've got the Football League covered. 
So DC, let me take you back. Okay, um, just yep. over six months. We did a draw on this show to find out a random football league game uh, that we should go to. You remember that? I do. Uh, lots of we bits nearly went to Carlisle, didn't we? We did. It wasn't really like the FA Cup draw. I remember it was all on like a bit of A4 that you sort of. It was Hartlepool actually? I think it was Hartlepool that we yeah, nearly yeah. went to. One of the wherever it was, it was quite yeah, far, yeah. far, far away. It was far away from us. Yeah. Anyway, we ended up going to Peterborough against Bradford just after Darren Ferguson had left the posh. So let's have a little listen back and remind ourselves of that. Brigham's three pound. Hello and welcome to episode 149 of We Are Going Up. As we record, it is Saturday, February the 28th, 2015. We are at the Abax. Abax? Tomato, tomato. <laughs> the Abax Stadium, uh, aka London Road, the home of Peterborough United. We should start by talking about uh, Peterborough United, uh, DC, the 38th managerial sacking in the Football League uh, this season. Darren Ferguson, there's been one since then. You know, I don't think anyone can blame Peterborough United or Dara for, for making the change. He's given Fergie every possible chance to put it right. Um, and now is, now is the time to, to try something different. Whether that'll work or not, hey, we, we don't know, but it is time to try that, definitely. To be honest, for a squad that's cost us £6 million, it's been a disaster this year. To be 15th in League One, to be outplayed by teams that are made up of free agents and it's been shocking it really has been abysmal the style of football's not been there no entertainment value and it just felt the whole place needed a freshen up this to probably win it for Peter Boswick scores down the middle and then he smashes it into the stand it's one game at a time um, it's a good start here against Bradford a strong Bradford side I'd like to wish them and uh, all of their staff the best of luck in the quarterfinals of the FA Cup next week we are going up on the road Episode 149, live from London Road, if you want to dig that out, from uh, late February, early March. And on the day when we were there, we spoke to some of the Peterborough fans. And in a case of deja vu, six months on, we're speaking to the same Peterborough fans, some of the same fans, to find out what they've made of this week and the departure of Dave Robertson. Hi, I'm Adrian Durham, presenter of Drive Time and Match Day Live on TalkSport. Lifelong Peterborough United fan. The sacking of Dave Robertson uh, I thought was absolutely the right thing to do and uh, if you've seen Peterborough United this season you'll realise why he had to go. The football was terrible, they weren't going for goals, they weren't playing attacking football either and looked nowhere near a promotion side. It wasn't like they were unlucky losing games, it wasn't like uh, they weren't being well beaten, the scoreline sometimes flattered us. So the chairman had asked for attacking football, he'd asked for goals, he'd asked for a promotion push and he'd asked for a crack at the Johnston's Paint Trophy which we went out in the first round in. So it got all those things wrong within the first few games and the time was right to make a change if we were to save our season. Hi, this is John Vero. I'm a football writer for the City and a Peterborough United season ticket holder. Uh, with regards to Robertson sacking, I think it was the only decision that the club could make. I think look from the outside looking in, it may seem that six games into a new season's uh, almost a trigger-happy chairman again, but it's certainly not been like that. I think, to be honest, it, the alarm bells were ringing from his caretaker spell. I, I'm not convinced felt at the time that he shouldn't have been given the permanent job but Dara chose to give it to him to put his trust in him and the, the performances this season simply haven't been good enough we've got an objective of promotion the club have made no secret of that and the performances so far have been awful um, we've looked really disjointed we seem to have even gone backwards from the 
period under Ferguson where it all went wrong last season and the club just seems to be on a slide at the minute and, and it needed a new direction and if we had left it any longer with Robertson things were getting worse not better and the, the fear was that a genuine relegation season could have came up so I think Dara's made the right choice Hi this is Jamie Jones from Stanley on the Glebe the unofficial Posh Fans podcast I think now is the right time for Robbo to go um, we have had a terrible start to the season one in which uh, Dara McCancy certainly and a few others at the club feel we should be aiming for promotion this year uh, and if this kind of form were to carry on uh, we'd be more looking like relegation than promotion uh, and it's not just the results the, the team have been playing awfully and the players have to take responsibility for that but Robbo's made some some increasingly bizarre decisions his, his signings his senior players haven't worked out Jack Collison although obviously a superb player doesn't look like he can walk for 90 minutes let alone run and some of the other senior players like Boswick have, have really let him down so far um, the real mixture of youth and experience we've got hasn't worked but maybe with the new manager coming in it can and we can go back to seeing some exciting football at London Road because it's been pretty dire Robbo came in did the job we needed him to uh, after Fergie had started to lose the pot a little bit and we saw a bit of a bounce but really since that first six games we have been absolutely dire uh, and the fans are now seemingly dire have, have had enough of it. The club needs to pick the right manager now. The right manager was Steve Evans in the summer but he said no. That's who the chairman wanted. Now the chairman could go back to him, push the vote out a little bit more. The fact that Rotherham are doing so badly in the championship might have changed things for Steve Evans so uh, my view is that we should absolutely go and get him or look for somebody who's dynamic, somebody who can do things on a limited budget and achieve success with that. Now, uh, there are other managers in the frame. There's about a dozen who've already contacted me about the job and I don't even work for the club. So uh, we need to make the right appointment. It's probably the most important appointment the chairman has made. He's only got it right twice in six attempts so far and both of those were Darren Ferguson who has ruled himself out of coming back to the club. So my view is, go and get Steve Evans, whatever it takes. The question of where to go next is a really interesting one because... There aren't really any standout candidates. When you look through the list of bookies' favourites, there's nobody that really jumps out and just looks like a manager that will guaranteed take us forward. So at the minute, Steve Evans is the favourite, but even he's going to be a divisive choice. And at this time, I think Posh needs someone that's really going to unite the fans. It's It's been a long free season since we've got relegated from the Championship in League One and things just... Things just don't feel the same at the club that it seems to be going backwards and this appointment is huge we cannot get it wrong personally I'd like to see someone like Paul Tisdale come in or Sean O'Driscoll I think we need a manager that promotes good football I think we need somebody that will prioritise bringing through the youngsters and buy into the club's ethos it's going to be a struggle to get them in because like I say there's this squad isn't as exciting as previous squads and I wonder if managers are going to be queuing up to take the job to be honest because it's not that appealing as things stand so it's a massive choice for Darrow and it's certainly the biggest appointment that he's made so far uh, I think for me I'm not interested in, in a big name. It doesn't need to be a big name. There's some talk about Nigel Clough and I've seen Sheffield United fans say very clearly how, how boring and, and awful his football was. Um, Stuart Pearce has been mentioned. Certainly not. I think for me, I can't see Dara moving away from his, his young, hungry manager approach. There's a lot of talk on the forums today about Sean Derry and that would certainly fit with that. I'd be quite pleased to, to see him come in. And given a chance, uh, me personally, uh, I'd love to see someone like Jim Bentley from Morecambe come in. And I think maybe with the, the slightly bigger budget we've got at London Road, 
and he could come in and, and motivate those players. Those players can undoubtedly do better, but they are awful at the moment um, and need to take a long, hard look at themselves. But this could be the most important appointment the club's made for many, many years. So if we get it wrong now, there's no no telling what could happen. You know, no one thought Orient would get relegated last year. That could be us again. Or alternatively, with only kind of six games gone of the season, we could really pick it up and, and start looking towards the playoffs again, which is what we all want to see. Those then the thoughts of Peterborough United fans on the decision to remove Dave Robertson from his post after the defeat to South End last Saturday, and also the morning after he was on. Um, Football League Tonight on Channel 5 I know he had a starring role didn't he the curse of that show and I, I've wa- I watched it after the, uh, the, news. the news came that Robertson had lost his job and I just every time I heard George Riley say right more from you later Dave I just kept thinking oh, if only you knew Poor bloke. Yeah, there will be no more <laughs> no. from Dave Robertson on that show <laughs> well, unless he gets another job I suppose um, but yeah he's, he's you know he's come out afterwards he's been very magnanimous as you might expect yeah. said he wishes the club all the best and so on and I suppose it is sad for Peterborough because he was one of their own and they were very happy to see him promoted and but that's still the, the job. Problem. But now, yeah. obviously, as we've just heard, the fans not too uh, not too impressed with what's been going on on the field at the start of this season in particular. No, I mean, that's always the risk as well. If you if you do appoint somebody from within, a figure that's been at the club for a long time, whether it be in coaching or the academy or, or whatever, you know, which is maybe what Doncaster fans have got to look out for at the moment with Rob Jones is that it feels like sometimes it's a good thing to do because it's a continuity option but then a few months down the line you've lost somebody who's really important to that club if the results don't go their way it's, it's a big decision to make and obviously it was one that Darren McCantley made in the summer and I think you have to look at what Dave Robertson did last season and that was he did improve the results if not necessarily the performances, but he certainly improved the results of that team. He he got them moving up the table. He banished fears of relegation, which were which were genuine fears at the time, and got them to not too far away from from the playoffs. So I don't think you could really have had too many complaints with him getting the job in the summer. I'm sure some fans probably thought that maybe they should have cut their losses and think you know thanks very much, Dave, and we'll get a proper manager in the summer. But that didn't happen, um, and for him to go so soon at the start of the season. It's a shame for him because I listened to an interview he did with, with BBC Cambridgeshire and he was gutted. He said absolutely gutted. He's obviously been at that club a long time. It obviously means a lot to him and he hasn't been able to do it. And he and reading between the lines, he did say, he was asked, where do you think it all went wrong? And he said, well, look, I spoke to the chairman when he called me and told me it was the end of the day, the end of the road for us. And I, I could say with my, you know, and wholeheartedly, 100% honestly, I, I gave my all every single day to do my best for Peterborough United and to, to do the best for that football club. The inference I took from that was that maybe some of those players didn't. And that very much seems to be what you're getting from the fans as well. There's a lot of fingers being pointed at the players here. You know, The tactics might not have been great. The performances might not have been great. The results obviously weren't great. But the players have to take their fair share of the blame as well, I think. And I agree with Adrian in terms of how important uh, an appointment this is. You know, it's really important that he gets the right man now. We've had names linked with this job in the past, like Steve Evans, Graham Wesley's been been linked, Sean Derry's come up a few times, and all of those three would be gambles in their own way, in different ways, but in their own way. And, you know, it's got to be the right appointment here because, as Jamie pointed out, you could go down from this division if you're not careful. What do you make of this um, claim from Dave Robertson that, the chairman was under pressure from a group of fans on Twitter. Yeah, well, probably the three people we've just got on. <laughs> we were the ringleaders of that, I don't know. But it's interesting because... It, can it, managers can managers actually uh, get the sack from Twitter if owners read 
social media? I, think, I mean, it's it's a modern problem. I think it's certainly part of the picture. And when when a chairman is making a decision or is mulling over his options, obviously you're going to want to take into account what the fans are thinking. You know, you'd, you'd think so anyway. And how do you do that? Well, one, you go to the games, you speak to fans, you, you, you get a, a vibe when you're at, you know, when you see them face to face or whatever. But also these days, it's very easy to, to go onto the forums, to go onto Twitter. We know McAntony is probably, he's probably the most active football league chairman on Twitter. Uh, it's, you know, he's always on there. He's always tweeting. So he'll be aware of what the fans are thinking. And it's, only only Dara himself or people close to him will know how much stock he he places on on those opinions do you take it as a true reflection a representative of the of the entire fans or or is it you know not a true reflection is 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 it just people who say things because we know twitter is a very reaction replace it's very easy <laughs> for you to quick, quickly exactly for for you to quickly say something that you perhaps regret in in hindsight so you shouldn't Certainly shouldn't be the only thing that you you make your decisions on, but I think it. I, th- I just think in this day and age, it's it's inevitable that it's gonna it's gonna have an effect. But ultimately, the results are what's done are what's done for for Dave Robertson at the end of the day. The football's not been good. He he said that he's been unlucky. He kept coming back to that same point on the foot on uh, football on what the fuck is that show called. <laughs> Get it right. Football League tonight. I bleep that. Carry on. Yeah. Football League tonight or football on fire. <laughs> so keep saying the Football League show. Yeah, you keep coming back to that point. Um, and, and also on the interview as well that I heard him do today. And that seems to have been contradicted by some of the fans that we've heard from and uh, that, I've, that I've been reading that they said that, you know, they were well beaten and, and that they weren't good enough. And, you know, so he's gone at the end of the day and it's it's... It's back to the drawing board for Peterborough, but it's uh, they're in a, they're in a tricky position. Also, um, you know, just widen this out with Twitter. Like, obviously, during the election, you know, there might have been a slightly different, uh, differently painted expectation of what the result was going to be on Twitter mm. to what actually uh, materialised. So, even if you feel that everyone is on Twitter now, the reality is the majority of fans at the ground yeah. are probably not. So are you are you characterising Dave Robertson as Ed Miliband here or is he David Cameron? What, who is he in this Hang bizarre on, analogy um, you're making? I'm trying to think. So he would be... Oh, I've confused myself. I'm not quite sure. But, um, but you get the point. There's kind of, you know, it's not necessarily a true representation of uh, what everyone is thinking. So yeah, I would certainly hope that chairman are not going to go around sacking managers based on, on Twitter. Anyway, Grant McCann's now the caretaker. Uh, he's another club legend. That would be a dangerous path to go down as well. Do you think they will go for someone uh, from out- outside this oh, time? But the thing is, I don't, I don't, I don't honestly don't know what what McAntony's thinking or who's contacted the club and who's applied. Who are those managers that have already spoke to Agent Durham, as he mentioned? And we know from our chat with Mike Calvin and reading that book about how men- the, the, the applications will be flooding in because there's so many managers out there who are out of work, coaches that want to step up and they'll take an opportunity and try and get them get themselves in there. And it's easy for us to just say, to look at one club and say, oh, don't appoint Grant McCann because, you know, such and such a club tried it and it didn't work or whatever. But you can easily find examples to the contrary. Swansea City, Gary Monk are absolutely perfect example. And it's not all about, the individuals it's about the the broader approach that the club has got the philosophy and the structure the reason that a club like Swansea have been able to survive up the through right through the football league with quite quite regular or at least semi-regular managerial changes is because they have a structure of that club and they know the right sort of people that they want to get in who can come in and everything's around them and they can continue that job in the right way 
where you have problems is, or where, where you when you encounter problems, I think it's when you go from one approach to the next. It's a scattergun approach. We'll get this guy one week, or oh, he doesn't work two months down the line. Okay, this time we'll try internal. Next time we'll try somebody young. Next time we'll try somebody old. You know, with a director of football. You know, that's when you when you're chopping and changing. You don't really know where you're going. You've got to have a long term vision, and I don't know whether they do have that at Peterborough. You know, he's made quite a few managerial changes over the years. Some of them have been very brief and, and they are they are quite differing characters if you look back at the, the history of, of the, the appointments over at Peterborough the last few years. You've got Barry Fry, who's, who's still in the picture as well. We shouldn't forget about him. He could potentially put some people off maybe applying if they don't want to work underneath him and in the transfer dealings with him. And, you know, I just think it's very important to have a clear vision of where you want to go as a football club and that determines who you appoint. Adrian Duranot fancy at this time? I don't think he does this time. No, I think, no, okay. I think he's better off out of it. And can I say, by the way, whoever does get the Peterborough manager's job, um, can you get me my iPhone cable back, please? Because I left it in the blooming press you room. Left it there. I did leave it there. Still in that room. I think next to the kettle that went off mid-interview, if okay. you remember. So my, my iPhone yeah. cable, one of one of many thousands I've lost over the years, is in the press room at Peterborough United. Thank you. Right, next we're going to be rounding up what's been going on in the Football League over the last couple of weeks. We'll do some tweets and we'll do some transfers as well. This is the We Are Going Up podcast. We've got the Football League covered. David Cameron Walker, did you know that if you go to audible.co.uk slash going up, you can get a free audiobook of your choice? I certainly did. I've taken advantage of it twice. Not there once, but twice myself. So if you have already done this, you can do it again. Basically, you just go to audible.co.uk slash going up, um, and there's over 150,000 audiobooks to choose from on there. Basically, you sign up for this free trial, you download your audiobook, and then you basically just cancel it, really, unless yeah. you want to carry on. Uh, but you just cancel it, and you still get to keep the free audiobook, and you don't pay a penny. So if you'd like to get an audiobook on us, you've got a long journey coming up, uh, some you know serious commuting to an away game or whatever, just go to audible.co.uk slash going up. I wonder if there's anyone out there actually listens to the podcast in the car on the way to an away day. Because I've got this little gadget in my car now where I can actually listen to podcasts in there. So I, I, maybe there are people driving up and down the... What do you mean, what, a headphone jack? No, well, no, it's like a little... <laughs> it broadcasts it on... Um... Your car's got a built-in podcasting Yeah, tool. Yeah, well, it is that advanced. Is it? Like it's a little £5 thing off Amazon, which basically means you can plug it into your phone and play it, oh, right. which is quite, quite nice. So I've, I've done no. I've done that with a few. Not with, not with our own. Maybe I will do it at some point. Anyway, we've got off the topic here. Audible.co.uk slash going up is where you need to go. Right, let's do some tweets. Do you remember on the last show, it feels like a lifetime ago, we were doing away day nightmares. Mm. Ben McNeil, worst away trip as a Charlton fan, was going to Shrewsbury on a Tuesday in the League Cup. 3-0 up at halftime. We lost 4-3. Ed Ashton, worst away day. Southampton 5, Huddersfield nil in 2010. I drove down, game, night out, drove home with a hangover. Uh, At least also, you had a night out, from, though, mate. Come well, on. that's true. Uh, Jamie, so this is Jamie who we had on talking about Peterborough earlier, but he did send this email a couple of weeks ago as well, which I did enjoy. Top start to the season's pods, gents. My worst away day was 91-92. Posh had got to the quarterfinals of the Rumbelows Cup, oh. having beaten both Liverpool and Newcastle at London Road. We drew the Middlesbrough at our place and made the long journey to Ayrson Park. For the, uh, for the replay. First game got called off due to the weather when we just got to Middlesbrough. So off we went again the following midweek to stand on the vast open terrace and roar on the boys. All was going well until seven minutes from time when Stuart Ripley scored an absolute worldie and dumped us out of the cup. Freezing, soaked, we boarded the coach home and then it broke down just outside Pontefract. 
We had to wait for a replacement, uh, and I knew my mum would be worried, as I was only 15 at the time. Our brand new coach eventually rolled into the car park at London Road at 5.30am, only for the police to board the coach and ask, is there a Jamie Jones on board? His mum is worried about him. <laughs> Cue mass laughter from the rest of the bus. The boys in blue gave Fantastic. me a lift home and the shame of it took far longer to deal with than our defeat. There you go. That was from Jamie. <laughs> I do enjoy that story. Excellent. Well, I was enjoying that. Even that, even before that excellent uh, punchline there, I was enjoying that story for, simply for the mentions of Rumbelow's Ayrson and Park and Stuart oh, Ripley. <laughs> ticket all the boxes. <laughs> ticket all the 90 boxes. Um, if you've got any more of those, you can tweet us at Wagyu Podcast. And another thing, just, just while we had a bit of timing before the pod started, I was checking out the old download uh, figures, and oh, I yeah. can now see where people are downloading the show from. Oh, yeah. So we could be due another round-the-world email thing because yep. last week we had one listener in... The Republic of Korea. We had that, two listeners that north in North or South. I'm not sure. Uh, we had two listeners in Mauritius. Great. If it was North Korea, if we managed to penetrate the, <laughs> the media blackout of North Korea, that would be wonderful. I, so, I doubt it somehow, but you never know. If it is, if you are listening to this from North Korea, then get in touch. Three listeners. If you can somehow send a send a message in a bottle. <laughs> three listeners in Mongolia, mate. That's Excellent. true. Five in Morocco. Okay. Um, where we're we going? China. Nine listeners in China. We need, if we could crack as well, that's a big market for us, mate. We <laughs> need to, we to take advantage of that. If we can crack China, that'd be excellent. Um, and your, your top four, your top five places that Wagyu was most listened to last week. Uh, fifth place, Hong Kong. Naturally. Well, you know, sort of in the China envelope, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Fourth place, Ireland. Third place, Australia. Second place, the US of A. And the first place, the United Kingdom. Well. There we go. Uh, there you go. So, uh, yeah, please do get in touch if you listen to us around the world via Twitter or the website and uh, we'll maybe read your um, emails out. Um, Terry Butcher, mate, at Newport. Oh, dear. Uh, have you seen this already? <laughs> I said this wouldn't take long. The squad is down to the bare bones, says Terry Absolutely. Butcher. Yeah. Um, six teenagers in their yep. 18-man squad at the weekend they've lost five of the first six games don't tell you we didn't tell you that was going to happen it was a good there was a good interview with him I think it was in the Guardian uh, that I was reading at the weekend you know because he's got he's in, I think we've we've sort of forgotten just about where he's come from you know his career as a football player obviously there's that iconic image of him with the, the bloodstained headband and the bloodstained England shirt but obviously he's been up in Scotland and, and he said in the interview as well that he, he prefers being down here now because he doesn't get recognised. So he goes up to Scotland, everyone knows who he is, and he gets bothered when he goes to the shops and stuff. And <laughs> it's amazing, really, to think that a former England captain, such as Terry Butcher, is sort of living a, a life of anonymity in, as Newport County manager. But he's got a really, really difficult job on his hands there, as, as you've just said, from, from well, those... Uh, Newport, the only bad thing about uh, Welsh football at the minute. The rest of it seems to be going mm. fine. Cardiff are doing well. Swans yeah. having a great season. Wales are going to qualify for the Euros. Newport... Letting the side down. Right, what's tickled your fancy then? Because there's been loads going on. Uh, do you want to do transfers first? Yeah, yeah, let's start in the transfers. I mean, mostly in the in the championship, really, in terms of where the big money was, was splashed. Uh, and I think there's been some interesting deals, some interesting players uh, moving clubs, moving up, moving down. I'll just pick a few, few at random. Bradley Johnson. For Derby to sign Bradley Johnson from Norwich. And it's further evidence of them really assembling a squad. Although they haven't had the best start to the season, they've got all those players there and they've only added to it further. I've, I've seen them today as well, linked with James Wilson from Manchester United. So the players that they've got, really, they've got no excuse if they're not right up there and making up for last season's disappointment. I think he got, was he nearly 20 goals or was it 20, around that 20 goal mark from midfield for Norwich last season? So I think he's a really good signing uh, for Derby. Also, just looking at some of the deals that went through, 
I know uh, we're having a little bit of a trying to have a look of a Watford ban this season. You've been donating a few players to the Football League. We have. Well, we've signed so many players. Yourself, to be honest, but go on. We signed uh, 15 players, I think, in, in the summer for us. And, and we had way too many foreign players to, to meet the Premier League uh, regulations. So that meant on, on deadline day, there were inevitably going to be departures. And there were. Uh, Matthias Vidra, former championship player of the season, he's scored... 20 goals in, in two seasons for us with two seasons at the club separated by a loan spell at West Brom. We all thought he was going to be in our squad and he'd have a crack at showing the Premier League what he could do. There's reports that he, he didn't get on with the manager, that the manager didn't fancy him, that he wanted out. But I, I was disappointed to see him go because I think he really could have he gone? added something to us. But Watford's loss is Reading's gain. Reading? Um mm. I think they spent about two and a half million pounds though on a loan. This is only a loan deal, uh, so they've paid a lot of money just for a loan signing. But he has uh, proven in tw- in two separate seasons that he can score goals in the championship. He's really quick. He's an excellent finisher. I think that's a great signing for for Reading. Uh, and we've also given uh, Forestieri. Fernando Forestieri has gone on to Sheffield Wednesday on a permanent deal, and also da- same with Daniel Pudil. The uh, Czechoslovakian uh, left back and Czech- I don't think Czechoslovakia is a thing anymore but go on you know what I mean <laughs> and um, they both of them you know good players Pudel's a solid solid def- uh, defender on the left side can play wing back as well he wasn't quite good enough for us at the end in terms of getting into the Premier League and being a top championship club but he, I think he'd be a solid player for Sheffield Wednesday works hard seems like a nice guy as well Forestieri was a bit of a hero really at Watford he was the first player of the Pozzo era of that batch that came in on loan to sign permanently. He bought a load of Watford retro shirts and kind of posted pictures with him on Twitter, on his Instagram and his kids. And he was sort of really getting ingrained in the club's history and culture. And he was a great player on the pitch at times. He was very skillful, very quick, nimble. I thought he was at Middlesbrough. How has he ended up at Sheffield No, that's Wednesday. Diego Fabrini. Oh, right. Sorry, I'm getting confused. Yeah. There's too uh, many of them. And and the, and the, but the problem with him was he was never consistent enough. He never really managed to string it together for long periods in the time. Troy Deeney made some telling comments about him at the end of last season, saying that he could be a top Premier League player if he if he worked harder. So he's definitely got the ability. Has he got the application and the consistency to make it count? I'm not sure. That's probably why he's left Watford. But Sheffield Wednesday have potentially got themselves an excellent player, uh, which would, should give them even more optimism of what you know, looks already to be perhaps, the, uh, perhaps a quite promising season. And then finally, Gabriel Angela, the centre-back, uh, who has been pretty decent for us the last two seasons. A key part of the promotion-winning team last year has gone to QPR, so that's another good signing for QPR. Burnley, they didn't spend any money to try and stay in the Premier League. They get relegated. They spend the best part of 10 million quid on Andre Gray, which is mm. a decision which I find baffling. It's a bit weird, um, isn't it? And of course, they've brought Joey Barton in. Yeah. Who had uh, said, at least I don't need to, at least I don't live in Burnley or whatever and all on his Twitter <laughs> over the years. And now he's got to try and, well, presumably he won't be living in Burnley after that. But um, but he's going to be uh, lining up for the Clarets. That's obviously a decent player at championship level. Yeah, the decision to, to spend that much money, though, struck me as a little bit of a, a panic signing. He's, I mean, he's not. Is he is he a, a nine million pound striker, Andre Gray? Well, I mean, it's partly a, a symptom of the just generally inflated transfer prices at the moment. Kind of dates back to the McCormack transfer, I suppose, last season and the, the Premier League TV deal that's coming in next year. Burnley have got the money from their Premier League season last year and the parachute payment. So, I suppose in in one sense, why not spend it? But as you say, Sean Dyche repeatedly went on record last year and said, I'm not prepared to, you know, spend five, six, seven, eight million pounds on players. I'm not prepared to jeopardise the future of this football club. So to sign Andre Gray for nine million pounds now does seem something of a gamble. 
But I would trust Sean Dice's judgment. I think he's a very good manager. I think he's got a very he's got a decent record in terms of bringing in players permanently and on loan at, at both his Burnley and at Watford. So you kind of have to trust him there. And Joey Barton as well isn't necessarily someone you'd, you'd expect to, to turn turn up for a Sean Dice team. But obviously Dice must see something in him. Maybe Barton. I think you know Barton. Sometimes his reputation precedes him a little bit. He's probably got has got something to offer at Championship level, and he's probably. You know, he's not as bad as probably we all think in terms of his reputation, but he's he certainly said a lot of the right things. He's apologised for that tweet and he says that he wants to really work hard and be a part of that group at Burnley. So it's going to be interesting to see how both of those transfers play out for the he, rest of the season. He co-hosted with Durham, didn't he? He did, a, yeah. A couple of weeks ago. Um, yeah, Adrian Durham bought him a book from Bur- a Burnley Legends autobiography. <laughs> right. That's the sort of education for him, yeah. Bur- uh, not Burnley, uh, Bolton have only scored one goal in the first five games. So mm. yeah, they've gone and signed a goalkeeper. Uh, which doesn't make much sense. But uh, just speak, speaking about Paul Rachubka, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to read a list to you now of the, the teams he's played for. Started at Man um, United, didn't he? Yeah, if you want to make a brew or anything, you've you got something to do. I, I saw suggest... him play. I saw him play at Man United uh, against Watford in the League Cup. Well, one, he's only played, he only played one game for Manchester United. Well, that was, that was maybe it. that was it. Yeah. Uh, okay, so these are the, the teams he's had. Uh, Manchester United, Royal Antwerp on loan, Oldham Athletic on loan, Charlton, Burnley on loan, Huddersfield on loan, MK Dons on loan, Northampton on loan, Huddersfield on loan, Huddersfield, Peterborough on loan, Blackpool on loan, Blackpool, Leeds, Tranmere on loan, Leighton Orient on loan, Accrington Stanley on loan, <laughs> Accrington Stanley on loan, Oldham, Crewe, and now Bolton. How many is that? I don't know. You have to count. Is it more than Trevor five, Benjamin? Six, seven. Oh, hang on. Right, I'm going to have to... Hang on. Right, let's do this. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one. Now, obviously, some of those were the same clubs, but twenty-one moves he's had in his career. That's all since the year two thousand, by the way. It's only the year two thousand fifteen. Another player that's had a lot of loan spells that, uh, that I know. Oh no, Benjamin beats him. Sorry, <laughs> just looking at the Wikipedia. Benjamin, Cambridge, Leicester, Palace, Norwich, West Brom, Gillingham, Rushton, Brighton, Northampton, Coventry, Peterborough, Watford, Swindon, Boston, Walsall, Hereford, Gainsborough, Northwich, Hensford, Wellingsborough, Kidsgrove Athletic. Who the hell are they? Tamworth, Harrogate, Woking, Sunshine, George Cross. It's not a real team. Bedlington Terriers. Roxham and Morpeth Town, uh, Seaton, Delaval Amateurs, Carlisle City, and Glossop North End. Well, there you go. His his record is is safe for now. Needless needless to say, he didn't get a testimonial at any of those clubs. Go no, on. no. Perhaps we should do a testimonial, a, a, a general testimonial for, for <laughs> Trevor Benjamin. Um, anyway, it's on the to do list. Another another player uh, that's had a lot of loan spells. Uh, he's just currently had his just just gone on his twelfth loan spell of his career of his reasonably young career Michael Hector the Reading central defender who was probably the surprise of deadline day really moving to Chelsea for £4 million before being loaned immediately back to Reading so Reading have got £4 million quid out of nowhere and they still keep one of their, their better players but I mean, what a strange no one saw that coming he's 23 and he, as I said he's been a lot of uh, loan spells in non-league football as a young player at Reading, but he's finally broken into the team and he's one of their better players. But what is, really, Chelsea? Can I just say, by the way, speaking about football league transfers on deadline day, did you see who was doing the football league transfers on Sky Sports News on deadline day afternoon? Oh, I certainly did. Yeah, yeah. So, a friend of ours, um, David Reed, who's a good mate of ours, um, going back a long, long time. Um, he uh, works for Sky Sports News as a reporter. Used to do the radio side of things in Leeds, but he... he's been on Wheel Going Up. Hasn't yeah, he? yeah, yeah. He, he came on. I tell you what. Uh, 
you uh, the old timers. Uh, it was a Coventry because he used to uh, it was a journo before that in Coventry before he went yeah. to Leeds. Um, I think it was one of the first shows we ever did. Andy Thorne, something about Andy Thorne, one of the the old. That's about four years ago. This, but he was ah. on the phone then. Anyway, yeah. So he appeared on um, on Sky Sports News doing that on uh, on Deadline Day. And Dave is, I mean, he's sort of twenty eight, I think he is, but mm. he, he looks a lot younger. He he's, got, he's got boyish good looks. Yeah, and um, he was quite a viral hit on Twitter, which we were enjoying sending around on the WhatsApp group, was weren't he? we? Yeah. Did you not see this? It was a viral hit. Well, no, no. no they were all talking about him on Twitter. I did um, see that. There was, you know, I think there's account footy accumulators. Do you know that account? It's one of these. Mm. It's got thousands. Basically, put a picture of Dave up with the, with a tagline saying uh, "Sod it, let's let work experience Dave on" or something like that. So, <laughs> so he Good became, point. yeah. So yeah. he became a became a bit of an online online hit. There's others that I can't read as well, but anyway, mm. I'll, I'll okay. share those with you off the air. Save them. Yeah. yeah. Um, Good. Anyway, so. Does okay. that wrap up the transfers? A few more yeah. bits, few more bits so before we on. wrap up the transfers. I think uh, Richard Stearman moving from Wolves to Fulham. Uh, it's a good signing for Fulham because he's an experienced centre-back. He's played in the Premier League with Wolves, been there for a long time. Always impressed me when I've seen him. But probably not the worst time for him to leave Wolves as well. He's probably peaked, but he's probably still got enough left in the tank to help Fulham for a few seasons. But Wolves can probably move on and, and strengthen their squad in other areas and bring through other players. Wolves have signed Nathan Burns from Swindon, a player that Carl was talking about last season when we had him on towards the end of the season. One of, one of Swindon's more impressive players from their, from their excellent season last year. Another player to have left Swindon, though. They've lost so many players, haven't they? Um, Bristol City signed Nathan Baker and, and Liam Moore from Premier League, Aston Villa and, and Leicester City. I think they're two good uh, defensive signings for them. Two, uh, two more, two more I'm going to mention. One in the Championship. QPR have only gone and managed to hold on to Charlie Austin. Mm, huge. Against all odds, we didn't expect that to happen. He tweeted on, on deadline day that he was staying. Big season, hashtag QPR. Um, so in one respect, fair play to him. He could yeah, have yeah. easily probably gone and agitated for a move and taken the money, but he's sticking around for whatever reason. Maybe he'll go in January maybe you'll stay whatever we don't know why the move didn't happen but he's there he's scoring goals already he looks committed so that's great news for QPR gives them a huge boost maybe they could go back straight up at the first attempt and very quickly dropping down into League One Coventry have signed Mark Antoine Fortune yes he was. Was he Tony Mowbray's a mate? Yeah. Was he at Wigan last? Oh, he's at Wigan. Middle, no, he's mid, he was at Wigan. He was at West Brom and Coventry. Uh, West Brom and Celtic with Mowbray yeah. before. So he's a player that's played in the in the Premier League, in the Champions League. He's thirty four, so he's old. But um, you know, it's a good signing if he can. His experience can rub off on the likes of Adam Armstrong and the other young players they've got there. Uh, could be just the signing they need to give them that little boost and a few goals here and there. You've seen that uh, Kevin Nolan's training with Leighton Orient. I know. <laughs> That'll go down well, won't period, it? Which would be very interesting indeed, wouldn't yeah. it? It would be, it would be a, you know, a great... I don't know a lot of West Ham fans were glad to see the back of him, but it'd be a great signing for, for League Two, I think, surely. I th- surely he won't be dropping down we never three know. levels, I wouldn't have thought. Um, Doesn't nice have to move house. <laughs> That's true, very true. Um, nice of the... Um... You can stay in the area and get a cheap ticket to the Olympic Stadium next week. <laughs> Yeah, nice of the um, of football league tonight to cut away uh, from Berry's uh, first win of the season. Oh, that was tremendous, just, wasn't it? Just when we scored the goal, I like Adam Virgo. The look on his face, though. Well, <laughs> I mean, I felt sorry for him. What was he supposed to do? I know it was ridiculous. If you didn't see this, so basically he's doing his thing where he talks over the pictures. Like they don't, you know, he's basically talking over the game. It's the first time the sort of highlights have been shown. Um, and they show a few chances and then just before the move we're about to score the only goal of the game they decide to cut back and the camera just goes back on uh, George Riley and Adam Virgo <laughs> and they're sort of stood there looking at the camera going uh, right 
Yes, and then they cut back immediately after the goal. Yeah. Um, in fairness to them, they did eventually show it. One but, thing yeah. we needed to see. Um, Teething problems. I've got some positive um, feedback for the for Football League on... I've done it again. Go on. Yeah. What is it? Just call it what you want, mate. Football call League on five? You... No. Football, Football League... League tonight? Yeah. Football League tonight. Sorry, I, I just keep getting confused. The, 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 the name obviously hasn't worked on me. But anyway, I've got some positive feedback for the show what I, one of the things they've done which I do like and I haven't really seen elsewhere on these kinds of, kinds of highlight shows is when they have the scores the little graphics mm. in and out of the games at the start it gives you the little win loss draw yep. win yeah. last five games and at the end it tells you whether they've gone up or down in the table which I think mm. is quite it's quite a neat little thing that they've done really it's something that I, I've never thought of before but I looked at it and thought oh that's good it just gives you a bit of context as to where they are and yeah it was good I like that and they've ditched the um the silly league tables on the they wall have. as well, which yeah. is good. Um, excellent. Right. I think that just about wraps it up. Um, apologies if we haven't covered uh, your team in detail. It is that stage of the season where... Uh, kind of waiting for stuff to we happen, are really for the table to take shape. Yeah, we are. I mean, that's the thing. Like, Obviously, you know, we are well aware that we do end up talking about managers being sacked a lot a lot on this show. But really, at the minute, it's kind of it's early days, isn't it? We're waiting to mm. see what the big stories are going to be. So hopefully we've muddled our way through all that. Uh, okay, um, I've got my first weekend off in ages this weekend. Sheffield United away, which is going to be excellent. excellent. Really looking forward to that. We haven't lost away from home, I think, since February, which is ridiculous. Um, but I, I imagine that will end on Saturday. But I'm looking forward to it nonetheless. One of those games you get excited about when you're in League One. So, uh, mm. yeah, looking forward to that. Um, right, if you want to get in touch, go via the website, wearegoingup.co.uk. You can tweet us at Wagyu Podcast. Remember, we want your strikers with a worse goals-to-game ratio than Calvin Andrew. Um, and there was also something else you asked for as well, but I can't remember what that is. But um, I'm sure people will get in touch. Um, what else did I ask for? It's good. I've forgotten I'm not already. Sure. I've forgotten did already I really well. ask for something else? I'm sure there was. Oh, no, it was. Um, oh, it was uh, Journeyman. Was it? Oh no, it was just about Benjamin. If you can name anyone with with more clubs than Trevor Benjamin, we'd like to hear from you as okay. well. Let's do that. Yeah. Uh, the Twitter is at Wagyu Podcast. The Facebook page is Facebook.com/slash Wagyu Podcast. And the Instagram is Instagram.com slash Waggy Podcast. And the Audible offer is at audible.co.uk slash going up. Right. Thanks, DC. Thank you. Uh, off to watch England now. Mm, yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's it. That's what we think of the international break. Uh, we will speak to you next time on We Are Going Up. This is the We Are Going Up podcast. We've got the Football League covered. Yeah.